welcome back. I don't want to do this. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the What Happened podcast, everyone. Um, as always, I'm your host, Ryan. Dude, and... We need a less squeaky chair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, and I'm Owen. <laughs> yeah, that's my... Um, I don't know what I'd call him, but not a host, but that's Owen. Hello. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you don't know what this podcast is... It's a podcast. Welcome. Owen and I will be dissecting some um, wacky historical events for you today. I wouldn't say dissecting. It's more of just retelling a story worse than the content. You could probably find a documentary that's both A, more informative, and B, more entertaining. But joke's on you, because you're here. So, (laughs) um, without further ado, I guess we'll we'll dive in. What's our theme? Oh, right, the theme. For today's podcast theme. Yeah, we have a theme today. The theme today is hard to kill. Insert cool, like cool music at the end. Of I'm that. not gonna do that. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so today, Owen, I'm gonna be telling you about none other than Grigory Rasputin. Are you familiar with Grigory Rasputin? I'm familiar, but not too familiar. Well, you're in luck. I'm gonna be more familiar now. Okay, so it's uh, 1868. Rasputin is born in Pokrovskye, Russia. Uh, You're getting better. This is a town in Siberia. Ooh. So he's born out in the wilderness. Pretty well. There I mean, are towns out there. Yeah. Population twelve. It doesn't seem like a fun place to live. <laughs> it does not. So from an early age, Rasputin uh, was said to have visions, and it was said that he could uh, heal horses just by touching them. Not people. Uh, I don't know if he tried it on people. He wasn't allowed around people yet. <laughs> well, um, funny you say that because in his youth, he was known as a drunken horse thief. But I thought um, he healed horses. Yeah, but then he would steal them. After while healing drunk. them. That's smart. So. You build a rapport with the horse by healing it. <laughs> so, yeah, he was not very well liked around his town. Um and I guess he stole a horse one too many, and uh, eventually he ran off to a nearby monastery. With a horse? To lay low. I don't know. I don't know if he brought a horse or not. Um, so what Rasputin found there would change his life forever. Uh, here Rasputin met a man who had worked for Tsar Nicholas II as what's called a holy fool. Now, a holy fool is someone who spends time wandering to get close to God. The czars then, for some reason, hire these people. Is that really a job title? <laughs> like, that's just what they call them. Yeah, but that's like a w- different job. You just like wander around Siberia? Well, or... it, it's it's not just that like... It, it's... You're like homeless for like 60 days? <laughs> no, it's, it's someone that like purposely goes out wandering in order to get closer to God. Okay. And then they're seen as just a holy man. And then, for some reason, the czars decide to hire the holy hobos. <laughs> the holy hobos. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, he, he met one of these guys that used to work for the czar as an advisor. Okay. And uh, Rasputin decided to follow in this man's footsteps. So, he started to wander. Uh, and boy, did he wander. During uh, his time wandering, Rasputin would uh, barely eat or drink. Uh, he would not change his clothes and would never bathe. Sometimes he would shackle his hands to make walking more difficult. And uh, some people say he made it all the way to Greece. 
Jesus, from Russia? From Siberia. With some shackled hands? Yeah. That's so, a trek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Rasputin would eventually return to his home of Broskivoye. So what, he just walked all the way to Greece and was like, meh, and then turned around and walked back? Well, the theory is that by moving without a direction, you you like stop paying attention to everything around you. And then that act will get you closer to God. So by like, so purposely getting yourself lost. It's sort of like a pilgrimage. Think okay. of it like that. A pilgrimage to nowhere specific, though. Yeah. Most pilgrimages are like to like a holy site. This guy is just like, I'll go to Greece. Because this isn't, it, it's not about the place that he's going. It's about, it's the, about act. the journey. Yeah, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, man. Heard that before. Yeah. He took it to a different level. Yeah. Um, so Rasputin would return to his home of, uh, po- I can't, I don't know how to say it without a Russian Yeah, accent. Russia. Just say Russia. <laughs> <laughs> he returned to his home in Siberia after years of wandering. And we got, when he got back, people regarded him differently. Uh, folks used to see him as a drunken horse thief, but now they saw him as a true man of God. How long did this take? I think like two or three years. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. To walk to Greece and back pretty much. I think you were sponsored by some like random shoe deal after this. I don't think they had sponsors. <laughs> I don't think they had this shoes. Point in time. Um, <laughs> so although he had a new reputation, rumors started to spread Uh-oh. about Rasputin and his time away. Um, what do you do? Now, some quick context. Siberia is essentially the Australia of Asia or of, of Russia. Go on. Excuse me. So it was I, mean, I guess it is technically Asia, right? Yeah. But specifically Russia. So um, it's used as a place uh, to exile prisoners. Um, uh, Yeah, so like you could get banished to Siberia. Prisoners would escape and run to Siberia. Um, And groups that were excommunicated from the church would hide in Siberia. Okay. And one of these groups was called the Kletzi. And the the Kletzi had sort of weird beliefs. Uh, they believe that to be able to repent from a sin, you had to know that sin. Um, so their form of worshiping looked kind of like this. They would all get together in a big room uh, and just start touching each other. Oh. Just like rubbing people's shoulders and whatnot. Um, then they would start chanting. And uh, eventually they would start uh, to have dance. They would just start dancing like wildly. Um, and that dance would turn into wild convulsions and then, uh, suddenly they would all drop on the floor and then they would all bang. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I die. Okay. <laughs> this sounds like my kind of people. So they would just dance and then, then it's just orgy city. Jesus. So. Was this like a weekly event? Like every Thursday night we get together? <laughs> I don't know how often they did it. Okay. Um, Sounds great. <laughs> so some think that Rasputin uh, met the Kletzi during his yep. uh, travels, and uh, that's what shaped his view of religion. Um, so after Rasputin got back, people were kind of like sus about him because they're like, yo, was he hanging out with those weirdos that just like have Touch each other group and... sex like every other day? Um... <laughs> so nobody cared that he walked all the way to Greece. They were more just concerned about this one little small like... Well, that's what they initially Siberian thought. Thing. What, that he just went there, hung out with them, came back? Well, they initially thought, oh, this guy's so holy because he went to Greece ah, and gotcha, back. gotcha, gotcha. And then they were like, was he hanging out with those guys? Um, so after Rasputin got back to his home, uh, he started a church in his basement. 
there he would hold services and allegedly have sex with his congregation. So, so he basically he just took on their. The their evidence doctrine. points to him hanging out with the Clasty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so eventually Rasputin moved up to the big leagues. Uh, Rasputin met a powerful bishop named Hermogen, uh, who would vouch for Rasputin to the Russian nobles. Uh, Hermogen saw uh, Rasputin's disgusting appearance and odor um, <laughs> as like a sign of his like natural wisdom. I wish someone would think of me like that. <laughs> Not the first part, the wisdom part. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, eventually he set off for St. Petersburg. Okay. Which at the time is basically the capital. I was going to say, yeah, that's of the capital. Russia. Yeah. Um, so, now for some context. In this time in Russia, uh, mysticism was really big. Okay. So, uh, we're talking like Ouija boards, seances, crystal balls, all that stuff. Sounds fantastic. Two people that were uh, really into this type of stuff were Tsar Nicholas II and his wife, Alexandra. Okay. Um, the two employed two princesses from Montenegro Ooh. that would bring them mystics and holy people, uh, particularly the Tsarina, uh, because she really wanted to have a son. So, um, back to Rasputin. Uh, eventually, he arrives in St. Petersburg, uh, starts whining and dining with some fancy folk, you know, Um Really, he really is in the big leagues. Yeah, not like the nobility mm. yet, just All like right. fancy Russians, um, especially women for some reason. And I do not get it. He is a terrifying looking man. I honestly don't think I can tell you what he looks like. I'm sure I've seen a picture of him, but here, let me just uh, send you a quick. Uh oh. Standby audience, while I just airdrop a a horrible photo. Of Rasputin? Uh, yeah. Well, his prettiest photo. But. <laughs> I do encourage you all to just... Uh, check our Instagram for the picture. Check our Instagram. Also, Google for yourself right now if you want. Except... It's, it's slowly loading. Oh, yuck. Yeah, right? <laughs> no offense to him, but yuck. <laughs> like, this guy would bang so many women. He looks like he's from Siberia. Just, you can say that again. Um, <laughs> oh, there's worse photos, too. Oh, my God. So, I have no idea why. Oh, this one's my favorite. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, I've... Hey, audience. So, uh, while editing this episode, I realized that Owen's uh, microphone was unplugged for uh, a couple minutes there. So, I had to cut some of the episode out, but don't worry. We were just talking about how gross uh, Rasputin looks. Um, but then there's a little part. Uh, where it just sounds like I'm talking to no one, um, and I couldn't cut that out because it was uh, actually important information. So uh, just stick with it. It's not super long, and uh, I'm sorry. Um, so eventually the Tsarina has a son, and uh, she got help from some weird like magic doctor to do so, and uh, to have the son. I don't know, like weird old-timey fertility treatments, like eat nothing but cabbage or something like that. I don't know. Doctors were weird back then. So the doctor died, but he promised that a man would come to replace him. (laughs) Enter Rasputin. (laughs) So the two princesses from Montenegro, uh, they were called the crows, by the way. My uh, mic was unplugged for the majority of that. I don't know how long. I saw it moving at some point. Okay, just continue. (laughs) Okay.
<laughs> so the two princesses from Montenegro would introduce uh, Rasputin uh, to the Tsar and the Tsarina during a private dinner. And immediately, they loved him. Okay. Um, the Tsar wrote in his diary that Rasputin was a true man of God. Did he write about his, like, his stank? He he's like he's a true man of God. He he heals horses. Also, he smells like one. He didn't uh, mention it, to my knowledge. <laughs> so uh, now they have the nice dinner, uh, but they don't hire Rasputin just yet. Until one day, there's trouble with uh, the Tsar's son Alexei. How old is Alexei at this point? I want to say he was like Still four young. or five okay. right. or something like that. So he's been in Saint Petersburg for a while now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, see, Alexei is a hemophilia. A hemophilia, he, he, hemophiliac. hemophiliac. Yeah. That's it. There it is. He has a hemophilia. You're a medical professional. I just want to let that be known. <laughs> <laughs> Big air quotes on professional. <laughs> also medical. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, Alexei has hemophilia, and he sustained a knee injury. So, Uh-oh. So pretty much the poor kid is just bleeding out. Kid's bleeding in out. In front of everybody. Just into his knee. <laughs> yeah. So... Rasputin hears about this and promptly barges into the palace and demands to be left alone with Alexei. So, like, I've healed horses, I can heal Alexei. I think something like that. So, <clears throat> after a while alone with the boy, uh, Rasputin left the room, and the boy was miraculously healed. Not of his hemophilia, but of, like, his knee problem. So it clotted. Yeah, I've heard well, theories. You put some pressure on it for a little bit. Well, I've heard theories about um, this. Um, I think like one of the prevailing theories is that he um, he would like chant to the boy. Chant? Yeah, like hi yeah, hi yeah. I think that's. But it would not be Russian, like but... uh, it would be like really calming or something like that, and it would slow the boy's heart rate, and then that somehow helped. But they don't really know how he helped his hemophilia. I mean, I, I guess that would kind of make sense, but like the. It's the whole point is his blood doesn't clot. It doesn't clot as well. You still have clotting factors, yeah, yeah. but just not as much. It's just like you got TPA pumping in your blood, you know. Yeah, shout out all the neurosurgeons that get that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're nowhere close, and we get it. Um, no one knows what Rasputin did, um, but he, like, the only guy that like the guy that told me that theory was my like freshman biology teacher so like take it with a grain of salt okay all right um but anyway after the incident uh Rasputin is beloved by the czar and the czarina i would say so yeah. and uh he would become their personal advisor on Wait, many I have matters a question for you did they understand the disease the kid had at the time or did they just not really understand that he was sick i think they understood that he had a bleeding issue okay but I doubt they could tell you it's because his hemoglobin is messed up, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it more of a platelet issue? I think it's more of a platelet. Yeah, I just that's why it. you give aspirin, but... What? Like, you give aspirin in a MI. Yeah, but this like... is hemophilia. It's not an MI. What are you talking about? No, I'm just saying, like, it's more of a platelet issue more than a... Anyways, we're getting off topic again. 1906. <laughs> It's 1906, and Rasputin gets an apartment in St. Petersburg. Well, they have those back then? Yes, they did. Um, and this is where he started drawing unwanted attention. So, Rasputin uh, would hold these, quote, religious services. In the apartment? In his apartment. 
You think he la- ran it by the landlord first? <laughs> I don't think you had to do that back then. You know, your super probably wasn't on you. You know, um, and he he would basically run these services that were based on the beliefs of the Kletzi. So this basically just meant he had a ton of sex in his apartment, uh, and. <laughs> The Russian Orthodox Church got wind of this, and they were, like, not happy. Wait, really? Yeah. Wow. So they got two um, men from the Russian secret police Jesus. to follow Rasputin around. So much for a separation of uh, church and state, am I right? Oh, no. This was, like, very much... Uh, it's also Russia. I don't know if it's still... I think they were still big, like, even in, like, the 80s and okay. stuff. I don't know. My former Russian coworker just started ranting to me about the Russian Orthodox Church once. So I don't, I don't really know. The one that I still, to this day, can't understand. Correct. Um, So they appointed two men from the secret police to follow him. And um, their reports are really funny because it would just be like, uh, like 1217, uh, Rasputin has meeting with this person. 1225, uh, Rasputin seen with two prostitutes. 1236, Rasputin goes to grocery store. One o'clock, Rasputin now with three prostitutes. He would just be getting like an insane amount of prostitutes every day. Dude, he's living the high life. Yeah. What are you doing, Russia? (laughs) uh, Also, fun fact. uh, Ready for it. Apparently, the, um, like, St. Petersburg was just a very, like, debaucherous city at the time. Okay. So, like, all the, like, newspaper advertisements would be for, like, cures for venereal diseases oh so they knew what the people were about yeah they knew what they were about it was still frowned upon by the russian orthodox church because you know they're orthodox well and just like a church i don't so was rasputin apparently uh it's yeah all right fair enough um so rasputin kept uh kept up these services for a while and he got a pretty large following some people claim that he was just a holy man others claim that he was jesus himself i mean i've seen him um, there's one account of got washboard abs like Jesus. I bet <laughs> he is pretty skinny. <laughs> um, I mean, that's probably what happens when you walk to Greece and back. <laughs> there's one account of a woman holding on to uh, Rasputin's um, penis and just yelling, "He's Jesus!" So I did not know. I did not think that was going there. <laughs> yeah. So he's a holy man. He's a weird man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and all this while, uh, he's still advising the Tsar and the Tsarina on all sorts of matters. Jesus. So he's... Was the church trying to butt in and be like, hey, Mr. Tsar, like, we don't like this guy at all. Um, and he was just like, no, he healed my kid's knee. They attempted to uh, stop him, but we'll get there. Okay. Um, now, all the attention he started getting... Uh, here, all the attention he got started making the Russian Orthodox Church pretty angry. I would imagine. Remember the Bishop Hemogen? He was having none of it. So him and another church member named um, Ilyador lured Rasputin into the church basement and just started beating him up with a cross. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> apparently Hemogen also grabbed uh, Rasputin's penis and was just like... This is what's ruining you. Oh, my God. So, yeah, people like uh, touching really his centered, junk. Yeah, really centered around that, huh? Yeah, apparently. Yikes. So, after this, uh, Rasputin would uh, return to his home of Borskivoya. Something tells me he walked. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he thought it would be safe there. Um, and uh, things started uh, stirring not only in Russia, 
but around the world. What was the date? Uh, it's 1914. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, sad. Um, 1914, and uh, Rasputin is staying at home, and he gets a letter from the Tsarina Uh-oh. saying that war is about to break out. So Rasputin is avidly against the idea of war. Mm-hmm. So he quickly... Uh, oh, he seems like a noble man. I get it. <laughs> very, very <laughs> noble. So he uh, writes a letter back to the Tsar, um, urging him not to mo- not to mobilize his troops. Oh, he didn't listen. And then um, on his way to the post office, uh, he's approached by a woman. Uh, this woman had a scarred face and was missing a nose. Yikes. Her name was Jinoya uh, Guseva. And uh, I like how your entire voice changes when you attempt to rush. I can't do it. I can't say it normally. (laughs) It has to be like that. So, yeah, uh, she uh, pulled out a knife and uh, stabbed Rasputin in the stomach and apparently ripped out a bunch of his intestines. Ouch. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Um, Just like eviscerated him right there. Yeah, exactly. So it turns out that this uh, woman was a former prostitute who was hired by the priest Iliador to kill him. She was a prostitute with a ugly face and no nose. Well, that's probably why she was an ex-prostitute. Aha, there it is. Probably hard to get work when you're missing a nose. Yeah, when you look like a ghoul from Fallout. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've seen her picture. You're not wrong, but it's also very mean. (laughs) So, yeah, Rasputin gets stabbed in the middle of the street. Does the story end here, Owen? I assume no. No, it does not. Uh, while Rasputin was laid up in the hospital, uh, the Tsar was moving his troops to the front line of World War One. Did I say that it was World War One? You didn't. You just said 1914. Okay. Well, it's World War One, folks, in case you didn't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Tsar was moving his troops to the front, and uh, some think that uh, Rasputin could have stopped him if he was there in the palace. Yeah, but what would that have done for Russia in the long run? Um, uh, helped... Stop the Bolshevik Revolution, presumably. <laughs> Not right. kill four million Russians during yeah. the war. Yeah, that's fair. But I just mean like they probably still would have been invaded. Yeah, maybe. But well, I mean they only they only fought in the war because they had was it Ser- they were like on Serbia's side. They, was, yeah, they were allies with one of the two nations that they were either went to allies war. with Serbia or uh austria hungary yeah so they were like duty bound to go to war yeah so that's the only reason they went to war i mean that's how world war one started is everyone had alliances with each other yeah these two small stupid nations threw a grenade at a guy (laughs) so yeah he probably could have convinced him not to go to war is what some people think i'd listen to him um but eventually rasputin got better and he returned uh to saint petersburg and by uh 1914 he was the czar's Sole advisor. Jesus. On nearly every map. By what uh, year? I'm sorry. I said 1914. I don't know. Like so, same year. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and he got like super powerful during his time. Like the Tsar was away at war, so it was him and the Tsarina. Yeah. And uh, he was so powerful that he appointed four prime ministers, four war ministers, and six ministers of the interior. So like. You're telling me right now his rise to power and how he got there, but I'm still confused as, as to how he got there, considering what he's gone through. He, It just makes no sense <laughs> that he just wound up in a position of power. You are not wrong. <laughs> um, so apparently all the people he appointed 
uh, were terrible at their jobs. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Could that... they heal horses, though? <laughs> I mean, he'd probably be good at appointing horse doctors. So um, that coupled with the fact that, or with like the disastrous war effort made Rasputin very unpopular in the Russian court. I can imagine. Now, a plot began to brew between a young noble named Felix Yusupov, uh, the Tsar's cousin named Dmitry Pavlovich, and a uh, politician named Vladimir Poroshenkov. I like how you did two names normally, and then when it got a little too Russian for you, <laughs> you went back into your Russian accent. I think it's Purishkevich. Purishkevich. Oh, yeah, Purishkevich. Sure. I think that's how you say it. Um, so, yeah. These three men planned to reclaim political power by killing Rasputin. Now... Like, not the Tsar or the Tsarina, just Rasputin. Well, the Tsar's away. And the Tsarina is pretty much just, like, a puppet. Like, she doesn't actually do anything. Because at this time, like, women weren't given power, even if you were noble. Um, so... Since the Tsar's away, they just want Rasputin out of there because he's making all the terrible decisions. Yeah, so if you get him out, yeah. you're in. Yep. So uh, Rasputin trusted Yusupov because uh, Yusupov was a well-known gay man uh, who allegedly had sex with Rasputin. So they were pretty tight. I That was a turn. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Um, I mean, when you're having sex with so many people, you know... They just blur together, apparently. Some things happen. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Yusupov asked Rasputin to meet his new wife. I'm sorry about the chairman, okay? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I know it's loud. (laughs) Uh, So, when uh, Yusupov asked Rasputin to meet his new wife, uh, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Sorry, my notes app broke. I can't scroll down any farther. Uh Uh-oh. That's what happens when you have six pages of notes guess so stand by audience all right um so the three men picked up Rasputin in a car and took him to the Yusupov palace uh uh, they brought Rasputin to a dining room in the basement and told uh, him that Yusupov's wife was entertaining guests upstairs and that she would come down when they left uh, while they waited, they brought Rasputin wine and a tray of pastries. And Rasputin started pounding back wine <laughs> and just mucking pastries. So, uh, little did he know uh, that the three men had put enough cyanide in both the wine and the pastries to Yikes. kill, like, multiple people. Okay. Um, At least you're drunk when you go out. Yeah, but that wine also has cyanide in it, so, like... Yeah, yeah, I feel like that would hit faster than the, the wine drunk. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so the three men sat there in disbelief for like two and a half hours. Uh, he's just chomping <laughs> down on cyanide. As Rasputin continued to eat and drink <laughs> while the poison had no effect. What do you think the people like sitting across from him, do you think they were looking at each other like, Yo, what the fuck? They're probably, <laughs> probably just sweating intensely. <laughs> like, you know that meme of Key... Uh, key from Key Peel, where he's just like dripping sweat. Yeah, yeah. Probably just doing that. I was thinking the airplane one myself, <laughs> but either way, same difference. Um, so Yusupov saw that uh, Rasputin was like, or Yusupov thought that this meant that Rasputin was being protected by the devil. Oh. Because, just really quickly, there was like some controversy about like when. The church learned that, like, Rasputin was just having sex, like, every second of every day. 
they just assumed that his powers were coming from the devil and not God. Okay. So, like, it was a pretty widespread rumor that, like, he might be, like, an agent of the devil. Pretty much proven when he could just eat cyanide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least that's what Yusupov thought. Jeez. So, he went upstairs and got a gun, returned to the dining room, and shot Rasputin. Rasputin fell on the ground, and the three men went upstairs to celebrate Rasputin's death. Anyone do a pulse check? Does the story end there, I Owen? assume no. No, it does not. High on cyanide, he survives the shot. <laughs> so eventually Yusupov gets nervous, and he walks downstairs to check on the body. I mean, just reload it and just shoot again. Yeah, I mean... Why just, like, pop it and then be like, all right. Yo, Zombieland, rule two, double tap. Double tap. Um, so, so when he found Rasputin, who was still alive, the man leapt, off, leapt up off the ground and started choking out Yusupov. And after a quick tussle, Yusupov broke free, and Rasputin, or and uh, he ran upstairs for help. Uh, the three men returned downstairs to get Rasputin, uh, and they found out that he was gone. And uh, turns out he had crawled up a flight of stairs, out a window, and into the courtyard. Do you know where he was shot? I presume the somewhere. front. Oh, I presume because, the back, like walking behind him. Well, because it was like, hey, you're not dying from the poison hey rasputin kabang (laughs) you know i don't know i don't know i assume the front it doesn't really say um yeah so he crawled up the stairs out a window and into a courtyard so yusupov uh stood at the window shot him two more times and uh pavlovich uh also dude i'm just, this is just riddled with typos. I'm sorry. What are your notes finally like mine? Just yeah, horribly written, yeah. out of order. You want to read this sentence? Do I? Pavlova- Pavlovich also flavor twice hitting Rasputin. Flavored? Yeah. Welcome to Flavor, flavor Town, shot. baby. <laughs> so Rasputin also fired twice, uh, hitting Rasputin in the back and the head. Um, and then Yusupov ran over and started beating Rasputin with like a metal club. Does the story end there, Owen? You're telling me he's not dead? No, it does not. Jesus. So the three men took Rasputin, stuffed him in the back of a car, and drove him to a bridge. Uh, they made a hole in the ice covering the river below, and then stuffed Rasputin through the ice into the river. Does the story end there, Owen? How is this man alive? No, it does not. Jesus. Because like two or three days later, they found a man washed up on the beach of that same river. Okay. And they think it's Rasputin, and because it had like a bunch of wounds and stuff, so they're like, it's pretty good evidence that it's Rasputin. And um, after examining the body, they found that he had water in his lungs. Okay. Meaning that he, he drowned. Was alive. Yeah, he was yeah. alive when they put him in there, and that he drowned. Jesus. So he did eventually die. He did eventually die. Thank God. They found him dead. There's no way you can live through all that. So Owen. The two big questions. Was that really Rasputin? How did they survive the poison? And how did Rasputin survive the poison? Sorry, there's a tea kettle going off. It's a busy day here, man, okay? (laughs) How did he uh, survive the poison? And how did he survive five shots and getting bludgeoned only to drown? Now, I mean, he could have been unconscious when they dumped him in the ice. That's true. He's still breathing. You're just not... He's still alive, though. Yeah. So... The the main theory about the poison... It just didn't work, obviously. ...is that it was either 
like it was put in before they cooked it. Yep. So then the pastry, like the heat from the oven, yeah, denatured cooked out the, cyanide. the cyanide. Yeah. Um. So that's why that didn't. But the kill wine, them. though. Oh, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. They also put some in wine. I mean, clearly it just wasn't like, dude. They got some like cheap cyanide. <laughs> so they like really don't know how he survived yeah. the cyanide. Jesus. But how did he survive all the gunshots, Owen? Non-vitals. Have you ever heard of laudanum? Is that a type of, like, is that something he was wearing? Now, remember how uh, a prostitute with no nose stabbed him and ripped out all his guts? I do remember. So, uh, when he went to the hospital, Mm -hmm. he uh, was given laudanum, which is basically, like, uh, a mixture of, like, opium. Okay. And... When he returned to St. Petersburg, he was still taking oh, laudanum. So he was just like high as shit. Because his like health started to decline, so yeah. he was just constantly on laudanum. <laughs> so he uh, <laughs> he was basically just like so high that he like could like fight through the pain, but he was like using it so often that he still had the wherewithal to like crawl out yep. and try to yep. escape. He had a tolerance. So yeah. Still, jeez, yeah. man. So the moral to the story is walk to Greece, walk to Greece and do heroin. You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Um, so I guess I, I mean, I have a similar story of um, someone that is hard to kill. Oh, and real quick. Did you like that story? I very much did. Uh, I mean, I feel like everyone's heard of Rasputin, but like my, myself personally, I've heard of him. Couldn't tell you a thing about him until now. So, like, it's pretty cool to actually learn something from you for once. Hey, I'm glad you learned <laughs> about the man that likes to have sex. Dude, the man, the myth. And the, the legend. Yeah, absolute legend. Horse right. healing guy, high on opium. Go on your thing. So, I have a man. He's called the White Death. Not sure if you've heard Jack of Jack Frost. That. Also Jack Frost. Jack Frost in, like, the Santa Claus 3. Terrifying. <laughs> 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 dude okay hot take the santa claus is one of the best christmas movies around it is so bad it's so bad but it's good because it was my childhood uh, like yeah. have you watched it since yeah and it's, it's not hor- good but i love horrible. it horrible what is the uh, no pun intended but what is the clause in santa claus when he dies why could it just be some criminal that accidentally like kills Santa yeah, and then could puts it just the be suit some on? like axe murderer? That yeah, just, and then like... he, now he just has full access to your house. <laughs> yeah, and your wife, Ugh. and all the elves. It's a flawless system, man. Think about it. So, Sim Simo Heha, also known as the White Death. So Sim Simo Heha was born December seventeenth, nineteen o five, in a small town in Finland that I have the name of. Didn't write it down because. Boy, I couldn't figure it out. I, I try. I struggle every week through foreign names. You can at least give it a go. Yeah, but I struggle with like plain English. <laughs> That's fair. All right. So he was born December seventeenth, nineteen o five, and um, the way that Finland is set up, or was, I'm not sure if it's still um, a thing. They have um, everyone at the age of like twenty or whatever has to serve in the military for at least a year. Oh, so it's like the IDF. Israel. Israel Defense Force. Yeah. yeah, I think Switzerland has the same thing, but yeah. they're just Did you know neutral. Gal was in the Israel yeah. Defense Force. Yeah, that's why she's like incredibly badass. I mean, not to like discredit her or anything, what, but Captain like, America's better. <laughs> <laughs> like it could, like you could just you could be in the IDF and just like be in an office. Yeah, but they like actually like are constantly in war, in a war. 
Oh, that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, you could be like in Switzerland, who's like a constantly neutral country. Dude, shout out Palestine, am I right? Yeah, right. And then you just get your Swiss watch or whatever. Your Swiss, like, Swiss. Oh, my Swatch? Sw- yeah, there you go. And you go home. So. Is that, do they give the, is yeah, that a thing? It's, it's like they the give Swiss, those out if you serve? Well, I think it was like the Swiss military that was using them originally, and that's what got it big. I don't know. I didn't know that. This isn't about Swiss. Lind. <laughs> this is about Finland. <laughs> Why'd you bring it up then? <laughs> I don't know. You you mentioned... Alright, you said IDF and then I said... I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. Freaking Finland. Oh, oh, by the way, this is a shout out to the one guy in Finland that listens to us. You dropped Yikes. your phone again. Uh, anyways, one man in Finland. Shout out. Simo hey ha. <laughs> um, so, um, because of this, he served in the Finnish army in 1925. He did one year, so he was 20. Did one year. That was it. Um, when he was discharged from uh, the army in 1925, since it's like Finland and it's just like remote all the time, they're like, hey, you can like buy the rifle that you use for a year in the military. And so Simo was like, yeah, yeah, I'll buy it. So um, the gun he bought. Wolves up there in Finland, right? Exactly. Self-defense. Like, like deers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the gun he bought was a Finnish version of the Mosin Nagant. Which is a... It's Russian a, rifle. I it's believe. a Russian bolt action rifle, which I've shot before, and it's honestly one of my favorite guns. Thing hurts so bad. Really? <laughs> yeah, you take one shot and you're like, <laughs> um, so it really makes you think when you kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> you really gotta commit. Is yeah. it worth the like chronic shoulder yeah. pain? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he bought this uh, in 1925, um, and for the next like almost 20 or like 10 years of his life, he would um, hone in the skill on this rifle so after his year in the army he settled down into a farm and just was a hunter and just farmed a little bit um but on his off time because you know working on a farm is pretty busy so on his off time he um would do uh shooting competitions in his small little town and he would win numerous awards for his shooting um my favorite award that he won um was uh he was able to hit a target at 500 feet 16 times in a minute with iron sights that's pretty impressive. That's actually pretty impressive. Um, so during the shooting competitions, he figured out that his favorite way to shoot a gun wasn't prone like everyone else. It was actually like on one knee. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it just it worked for him. It's preference. What'd you say? It's preference. It's it's preference. Have yeah. you ever done that, by the way? Shot on using like, on one a knee. knee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's incredibly hard. Yeah, but like without resting your gun on the thing in front of you. Yeah, like yeah. I did it once and um my like front arm just kept slipping off my knee (laughs) (laughs) um it's not easy yeah um but that was his preferred way also the mosin's like pretty heavy but luckily for for mr hey ha he had a nice stature he came in at a whopping five three (laughs) (laughs) so he could tuck into a nice little ball the gun was definitely like as tall as he was thirds his body Yeah. yeah um so yeah, uh, in his off time, he would hunt avidly, avidly, av- av- avidly, avidly. Thank you. Told you I struggled, struggled with English. So he would hunt all the time, and he would hone in uh, his skill with this rifle doing shooting competitions. Um, so get it out. I gotta scroll. I just I, I looked at my notes. I said a lot of it already, so I'm just trying to find where I am. It happens. Boom. So he was summoned back to the army in 1939 due to those goddamn Russians. 
So basically, the war was with the Russians. Yeah. So the war was going on in um in Europe. Finland had nothing to do with it because it's fucking Finland, <laughs> and the Nazis didn't. Nazis were like occupied with Norway and shit, right? Yeah. So the Russians were like, no one's attacking us right now. Now's a good time to just try to reclaim parts of Finland. I was unaware of this. So it was called the Winter War because. Ironically enough, it lasted a single winter. Okay. So it spanned from like November to March. You know, I've heard uh, winter is the best time to attack. I also heard winter, <laughs> anytime Russia does anything in the winter, it either really goes their way or it just does not go their way. Shout out Napoleon. That was exactly what I was referencing. Also shout out um, Stalingrad. Yeah. So Russia was like, let's go invade Finland. Um, so one man stood in the way of Russia. It was actually like the entire Finnish army. Yeah. But it sounds a lot cooler to say that Heha was that single man that stood in the way of the Russian army. Um, so Heha would bring his trusty bolt-action rifle along with him, and it actually proved to be a large advantage. Um, the winners in Finland would get to like negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit in like noon. That sounds terrible. So like not ideal. So these, quote, modern weapons that both Russia and Finland had were freezing up and not working well. Oh, like automatic weapons? Yeah, correct. And since Heha had not only a bolt-action rifle, but he's had this rifle for, like, 10 years in his possession, so he knows how to use the gun. So he was really proficient in using it. Um, so it actually worked out very well in his favor. So, it is documented that Mr. Heha slayed a total of 505 enemy soldiers in only 100 days. That's a lot of... <laughs> that's that a is lot an, of Russians. That is an average of four... Or, excuse me, five to six soldiers killed every single day by this one dude this five foot three white death <laughs> Jeez. um it is recorded that he in his best day he has 40 confirmed kills in a single day he killed 40 people went home slept it's like more than some people kill in their like entire deployment to iraq i'd hope so that's a lot of people yeah <laughs> he did this in one day and then just like poured some coffee and then just went on his day um so it's hard to encompass like every single day he had i know it was only 100 days but it's just like it's it's warfare so he was out there just basically by himself laying in like a mound of snow just picking off people so it's i'm not going to go into every single day and every detail of his kills but 505 confirmed enemy kills in only 100 days um it is believed that he has somewhere uh his kill count is somewhere between 800 because a lot of his kills weren't witnessed or the bodies weren't found because the Russians would drag their buddy back. So 800? He'd, so he'd come back and be like, yo, I killed 30. And then the guy with him would be like, look, I saw 12. Like, it's still <laughs> terrifying. But, like, um, so it's believed to be around 800. He wasn't only proficient with his, um, with his rifle. He also had a submachine gun with him and apparently would just mow people down with the submachine gun if they got too close. Yeah, makes sense. So, like, he was just a ki- I don't want to call him a killer, but, like, I mean... You he was good at his job. Very good at his at his job. Yes. Um, so this stat of even just five hundred and five people makes him the deadliest sniper in all of history. And not only is his kill count five hundred and five, there was a Russian sniper I think during World War Two that like came in at five hundred and one, who was really close. But that was through his like ten year career, and Hey Ha was here for a hundred days. Jeez. So like, can you imagine if he kept going? <laughs> um. So, the Russians dubbed him Blyashmert. Oh, Blyashmert. Or White Death. 
Meanwhile, the Finnish people, the, the translation, or the Finnish, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to try. They called him Magic Shooter. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, ha, for some reason went with White Death rather than a Magic Shooter. Both accurate. Sounds a little bit cooler. <laughs> Both very accurate. It's just to call yourself White Death's a lot cooler than like Magic Shooter. Um, so why was he called White Death? Kind of a dumb question, right? We hung out in the snow, right? Yeah, so it's November to March in freaking northern Finland. So, like, it's going to be cold. There's going to be a ton of snow. And naturally for him, or he wore white camo. You might be like, yeah, everyone would wear white camo. No. The Russians did The Russians wore bright green, first off. <laughs> That's a good look. Which, like, I guess it could kind of work with, like, trees and stuff, but everything's covered. So you just look like a, like, you're just like a Christmas tree just out in the middle of Only the Only if forest. you're in a... In a conifer forest, though. Isn't a pine a conifer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they don't yeah, lose their needles. They're called ever. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it'd still be covered in snow because it's like northern Finland. So anyways, he was called the White Death because um, he had tactics. So he would um, he would only shoot in that kneeling position. He would never lie down. So what he would do is he'd either attempt to cover himself in snow, like he'd cover his face and shit in snow. He would put snow in his mouth to hide his breath from enemies. And he would also shove snow into the barrel of his gun so when he shot, it would cool down the barrel and less smoke would come out. It's pretty smart. Because, I mean, there were no silencers, so obviously you're going to hear the shot. But the best part of the sniper is to stay hidden. So he did literally everything he could to stay hidden. That's pretty cool. That's pretty badass. Like, the dude would eat snow and, like, it's just, just badass. Didn't I, they do that in Enemy at the Gates? I mean, probably. It was probably not. I, I can't imagine this was just him. You know what I mean? He was also a hunter, so I'm sure this was, like, from years of hunting in northern Finland. He learned how to, like, hide from deer. Yeah, but I feel like you don't really need to hide your breath from a deer. That's a good point. But those Russians. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, the problem that the Russians had were uh, not only were they wearing bright green uniforms, they also had horrible upper management. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of stuff was changing around then. So, Stalin was very yeah. paranoid that he was going to get, like, overthrown. So he basically just killed all the higher-ups in the uh, the Russian army. And then naturally was like, oh, yeah, let's go to war. And then just sent a bunch of people who had no idea what they were doing out to war. So, like, all the lieutenants and, like, the just no one knew what they were doing. So naturally when, like, you send a platoon out of, like, 100 guys and freaking, like, seven of them come back, you have no idea what to do. <laughs> and it's all because of, like, one Finnish dude. <laughs> Great guy that's Stalin, you know? Yeah, a 5'3 Finnish man. <laughs> Um, so Russia just had an awful time and technically speaking, Russia did win this quote war cause they took over small parts of Finland, but they didn't like, they were trying to go for a full scale invasion of Finland and they took over like four towns. Oh, so, you know, big, big victory for them. Yeah. Um, so naturally Mr. White death was a problem for the Russians. They started to figure out his routines and where he would be. So they just started shelling that place. And they'd be like, oh, maybe he's dead. And then someone would get sniped in the face. And they'd be like, no, no, he's still out there. <laughs> so they started um, throwing out a bunch of counter snipers. And not only were they throwing out counter snipers, they would throw out counter snipers with explosive rounds. Okay. Just to make sure you did the job. Um, so on March 6th, 1940, one Soviet sniper was able to shoot Heha right in the goddamn face with an explosive round. Yikes. Didn't kill him. Really? Didn't kill him. Also, uh, l let me mention real quick. Uh, Heha didn't believe in using uh, scopes for his rifle. Okay. Um, not only did he find it as a disadvantage because it would make the enemies too 
zoomed in and too focused. I, that's what they said. It <laughs> <laughs> seems like a huge advantage to me. Um, it would also, you know, as we know from every single video game ever, or every movie, you would have a reflection coming off your scope. So he just wanted to be hidden. And I guess he just preferred to use iron sights because it's Mr. Freaking Simo Heha. <laughs> Smart, I guess. <laughs> and he doesn't care about using a scope. So this guy got 505 kills using iron sights, first off. That's pretty impressive. Um, so anyways, back to the more pressing matter is he got shot in the face with an explosive sniper round. <laughs> Most people would probably die from that. Um, I'm not really sure how he was like... It, I don't think you'd be conscious after this. So I don't know if he like you know, rescued himself and was able to go back or someone was with him and jogged him back. I don't really know. Um, either way, his injury is described as, quote, having half of his face missing. Yuck. Yeah, so Heha would undergo facial reconstructive surgery or the 1939 equivalent of that. Yeah, I was going to say, did they have that back then? They did. It was. I think it was started in World War One because of all the artillery and stuff being used. So it was like a new thing, but it was being developed. Um, so he went under the equivalent of that. Uh, he would regain consciousness the day after the Winter War ended on March 14th, 1940. Oh, so he woke up and it was done? He woke up and it was done. Well, that's good, I guess. Do you have a fact over there? No, I was just looking up a picture of his disgusting face. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's my favorite photo of him is from like the 2000s. When he has, oh, like, there the real, it is. When he has the really old man thick glasses <laughs> and he has half a face. Jeez, look at all those medals. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, I'll go through some of his medals, but obviously he was awarded. Oh, I also meant to mention, so he was um, a corporal to start this 100-day war, right? Or this, it's not a 100-day war. The Winter War? Yeah, so he was a corporal, and he was promoted to second lieutenant because he just kept, he was so proficient. And this is, to the day, the highest promotion jump in the history of Finland. Really? Yeah. So he started out a corporal and then was a second lieutenant by the time his face blew off. Is that higher or lower than a first lieutenant? Um, I always get this messed up, but I think it's second lieutenant than first lieutenant. Okay. But I don't, like my buddy's a, a he's a he's new in the army and he's a lieutenant, and I forget if he's a second or first. Interesting. Yeah, shout out to my buddy. I'm not gonna say your name because I don't like you enough. Uh-huh. <laughs> Loser. Boom. <laughs> thank um, you for your service. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, he would wake up on March 14th, 1940, the day after the war ended. Um, when he woke up, he was given a newspaper by one of the orderlies, and it said, Simo Heha, killed. And he was like, no, I'm not dead. So naturally, just being like this weird Simo Heha, he just sent a letter to the editor and was like, my dearest boy, I am not dead. And then just signed it and sent it to him, and the guy was like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, actually, as <laughs> yeah. he pushes his glasses up his nose. Um, so this war um, would leave... 400,000 Russian casualties and only 66,000 Finnish casualties. I can't say that. That, I feel like I said that really weird. 66,000 Finns died, 400,000 Russians died in a span of like four months. That's like pretty good odds. Yeah. Um, So, Heha, originally to start this war, um, he was in a, a small regiment of only 32 men. And those 32 men were tasked with holding an area... Like, the small little area of Finland, either way, from a regiment of 4,000 Soviet troops. And they ended up winning. Mainly because they had Heha taking out fucking 500 of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was 32 Finnish guys against 4,000 Soviet troops, and they ended up winning. All because, I, I'm like, I, I, I mean, not to, like, pat Heha on the back, but I feel like it's probably all because of Heha. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, like, even if he didn't kill the most, or, like, more than everyone else, he still probably scared the crap out of every exactly. Russian that set foot in Finland. Like, if I was one of the Finnish guys with him, I would just be always at the camp, be like, you know what, I'll get you a nice pot of coffee when you come back. <laughs> yeah, you can go out on this patrol by yourself, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'll keep the fire going. Um, so, yeah, um, he didn't die surprisingly even though he missed half his face and he went under like uh like uh, i think it was like 30 facial reconstructive surgeries in finland over the the course of his life yikes um so despite missing half of his face heha would live a nice long life and uh obviously he was um he 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 wasn't recommissioned after he Yeah, I don't imagine he would be. Um so after World War 2, he was gifted a farm by the Finnish government either f- as like a thank you or like let's not get on this guy's bad side. <laughs> <laughs> not sure, but he was gifted a farm where he lived um where he lived up until he, in uh, 1970. In 1970, he lived in a small apartment in a town in Finland and then he ended up dying at the age of 96 in a nursing home in 2002. Mm. Sweet. Um, so Heya received the awards Medal of Liberty first and second class and the Cross of Liberty third and fourth class. I don't really know what they mean. Yeah, some Finnish Medal of Honor, yeah. I guess. Um, so he spent the rest of his life as a dog breeder because <laughs> it's freaking Simho Heya. <laughs> dog breeder. Um, and like I said, he worked on his farm until 1970, then moved into an apartment and then um, later died in a nursing home in 96. Is it a farm if you raise dogs? Uh, I mean, I'm sure he did other stuff there. Like a dog farm? That just sounds weird. I mean, I think those are technically a thing, but they're not good. I think you're thinking of puppy mills. Puppy mills. There you go. Dog farm, puppy mills. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 2001, shortly before his 96th birthday, uh, he was asked if he felt any remorse for the people he killed. Um, he said, quote, I did what I was told to do as well as I could. There would be no Finland unless everyone else had done the same thing. So he's a real patriot. He's a real patriot. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think everyone goes to war wanting to kill people. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of nut jobs out there. But yeah, I could think of a couple guys from like Texas. Yeah. Um. But he was just doing his duty. He was forced to reenlist in 1939 because the Russians were dicks. <laughs> Tried to take over his home, and then he stopped him. And doesn't feel any remorse for the 505 confirmed kills and the suspected 800. But like I said, dude, this guy, guy killed 40 people in one day and then had half his face blown off and was just chill. You know, I bet the dogs don't judge him for his gross face. <laughs> Is that why he spent his time with dogs? I don't know if he ever married or had kids. I couldn't find that anywhere. Really? So maybe people judged him and that's why he... He spent his days with the dogs. That's why he spent his days with the dogs. Um, but yeah, that's a, the short story of Simo Heha. Um, I could have delved a lot more into every single day. I just didn't feel like it was necessary. But yeah. That's kind of wild. He is called the White Death and still to this day has the highest kill count. I think of anyone. What year did you say he died? Uh, 2002. Really? Hold yeah, on. 2002. And he was, ah. born in, he was born in 1905. So he missed Cars by four years. Dude, Cars 3, man. I watched it last night. Oh, my God. Good or bad? So, I, I'll give him credit. They tried to go back to the original format of Cars 1. I'm sure so many people just tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to go to the original format of Cars 1 of, like, Lightning McQueen's racing again, and we're going to ignore Tow Mater. But the whole plot is that they're, like, there are these brand new race cars that are, like, 
they, they can go like 10 miles an hour faster than lightning mcqueen so it's just the same freaking thing as he goes through a training montage it's like 90 percent training montage of him just trying to somehow increase speed even though he can't increase the speed and then it's just him being a massive dick like he was in the first and second movie because lightning mcqueen is the most unlikable main character to ever grace this earth and it's just him being a dick again and then they're midway through the race and he's just been a dick to his trainer this entire time because she's like i grew up wanting to be like you and he's like <laughs> i hate you like you're a terrible person halfway through the race he pulls into the pits and he's like whatever her name is i'm just gonna call her sally which is which is the porsche it's not sally he's yeah. like you know what get in there you're gonna race for me that's not allowed and then in most everyone races. and then like um his pit crew chief is like uh it doesn't say it has to be the same car just the same number and i'm like that is not the thing at all <laughs> so then they just put a new car in there who's the same gen as lightning mcqueen and can't go fast enough but of course she wins because it's a disney pixar movie and it's lightning mcqueen once again gets his redemption for being a total dick the entire movie it's it's a horrible movie i highly Good recommend show. cars 2 over it <laughs> hey gang uh if you like uh, this podcast. Tell a friend. Um, if you want to see some pictures from the podcast, we're going to... Uh, I found some lint in my pocket. Sorry, buddy. Uh, if you want to see some pictures of Rasputin and the Simo Heha, uh, we're going to post them on Instagram. Real pretty looking dudes. <laughs> so, so make sure to follow us at uh, what happened underscore pod. Uh, yeah, that's a candle, Owen. The Candle's fire's hurt. hot. Uh, make, just remember that for next time. Yes, sir. Uh, we have a Twitter. We'll be putting some announcements up on Twitter. Official underscore WHPC. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to consider supporting us at uh, what happened underscore po- patreon.com slash what happened underscore pod. That's a long at. <laughs> Something like that. You did that last time, too. If you're not confident, write it down. I should do that. There's a link tree on Insta and Twitter. Yeah. So, um,. Have a good week. and uh, Oh, tune in if you want to hear us keep talking about uh, the Cars franchise. <laughs> I mean, we've covered all the movies now, unfortunately. So I guess we just have to go back to Cars 1. Well, we could... Okay, Owen, we have or options. We, make... we could do Cars 1, or we could start with that movie Turbo about oh, the snail. No. no, what about Planes? You ever seen Planes? It's just the Cars version, <laughs> but he's a crop duster. and what... It's a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good, have a good week. What happened?